welcome back, Colonel fans, to another episode of Kicking It with the Colonels. Today, we are joined by former Colonel and Super Bowl champion, tight end Matt Lingle. Matt, first and foremost, man, I really appreciate you taking time to you know hang out with us today. Yeah, I'm honored that you guys asked me, and I'm really excited to you know reconnect with uh, all things Colonels here. So, when I started my Colonel career as a non-traditional undergrad student, you were finishing up um, a little bit of your career here. So I remember you. I think I did one interview with you when I was first starting out. And you were gracious with your time, just like you have been now, as you have been to the pinnacle of where football players want to be. I mean, there's nothing cooler than playing in the NFL. But what was cool about playing in the NFL? Uh, I think uh, really it was everything. You know, it's uh, it's tough to really pinpoint one thing. Um but I think, you know, just the intensity of, you know, showing up to work every day and understanding that it's your job. I remember, you know, my first kind of week in the NFL and it was, you know, from 7 a.m. our first meeting to, you know, we're done at 435 at the end of the day. And all we did was talk football all day long. And it was, you know, one meeting after another where we run, pass, you know, pass protection, run blocking schemes. Then you go to your position meeting. So, uh, that took me a little bit of adjusting was just talking football all day long. But, you know, once you, once I started to realize, wow, this is my job. It was, uh, it was, it was really, it was really fun. I know there are those people, you know, like us, you call them, you know, the armchair quarterbacks, if you will, that are talking football all the time. Is it completely yeah. different inside the room? Like you said, like it's your job. So even the discussions are a little different. Yes. Yeah. It's uh it's very professional and, um, it, every, every everybody approaches it like a job, not of uh, you know a what if scenario or you know it, it's tough when you know you try to be an armchair quarterback in your mind, but then you got Andy Dalton and Tom Brady turn around and tell you how something's done. It's like, okay, yes, I will take your I will take your word for it. So, um, yeah, it was fun. Speaking of Tom Brady, what was TB twelve like in person? Uh, he was just as he was just as nice and soft spoken as as people see on you know all all TV all of his interviews. Um, you know I'll never forget walking in the facility for the first time um, in New England and, and not knowing who I was going to run into first, who I was going to see, what my day was even going to be like. Um, but walking in and it's a very you know their facilities in their football stadium, uh, which is it's probably fifty fifty in the NFL. You know some state some facilities are off-site and you have to drive to the stadium on game day but uh the Patriots it's all right there and it's a very uh unassuming door that you have to walk into for the facility and um even their weight room is like not that nice but uh a lot of work gets done in there but um you know walking by him and uh he just turned the corner and I just remember thinking wow he's a lot taller than I thought he would be and <laughs> a lot, he's a lot thinner than you think he'll be but um, I mean, as soon as he, as soon as we go walking by, he stopped and looked at me and, Hey, Matt, my name's Tom Brady. Nice to meet you. And I was like, dude, I know who you are, <laughs> but, uh, um, he knew my name already. And so that was, and that was the first time him and I were meeting. So, uh, he's, he's, he's an incredible guy. Don't, you know, if you've ever watched those, uh, Michael Jordan documentaries on ESPN at practice, he's takes it seriously. We'll say, but, uh, you know, it's all just to make sure everybody gets better at the same pace and, you know, prepared for Sunday. 
I heard that Tom Brady would pay defensive backs like during practice if they picked him off. Is that true? And how often did you see him ever get picked off at practice? I don't know. And I, I mean, I haven't, I didn't really see him ever get picked off too much. And <laughs> when I did, I just pretend like I didn't see it. So it's, uh, <laughs> but I don't really, I don't know if that's true. I don't know. Okay. Now your first touchdown came out of his hands. What was that like catching your first career touchdown from arguably the goat? Yeah. I mean, um, I still have that ball. It's in the basement. I got him to sign it. Um, and it was one of, I knew, you know, we had been running that play in practice all week long. I lined up and I saw the defense and I was like, all right, well, I haven't really gotten the ball in practice, but I need to stay prepared, you know, for that situation. It was meant to go elsewhere. Um, but I ran my route and I noticed that that other safety wasn't there. I think he blew his coverage and I just ran my post. And I'm like, I might, I might be getting this in my head. I'm thinking all these thoughts as I'm going and I turn and I remember seeing the ball coming at me. And I just remember thinking in that split second, Oh my God, he really threw it to me. I just caught it and tried to body it up as much as possible and hold on to it. And, you know, once I, you know, stood up in the end zone, I just saw Julian Edelman running at me and, you know, Marcus Cannon and, um, James Devlin, who's one of my good friends to this day. He, you know, he came running from the sidelines, you know, come out there. So, um, and then after that, uh, I got the ball and went over and asked him to sign it. And I mean, Tom was, he was super nice and just handed it back and goes, let's go get some more. And I was like, okay, you got it boss. <laughs> I mean, if Tom Brady says, let's get, go get some more. Your first order of business is to go get some more. I tried. Yeah, I got one, but I tried. <laughs> hey, I mean, I know, and I know you gave it your all, because like I said, I watched you here, and I watched you prepare, the way you prepared for games. And it's not like your college career didn't have its, you know, peaks and valleys. You started out at Northeastern. They cut the football program. Uh, take me through, like, that sort of situation and then how you landed, you know, here with us at Eastern Kentucky in 2010. Yeah. Um, so, I... I mean, coming out of high school, you know, out of Cumberland Valley in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, um, I only had one full ride scholarship to Northeastern University. Um, and, you know, honestly, that, you know, my dream growing up as a Pennsylvania kid was always to go to Penn State and that I just wasn't good enough and uh, ended up going to Northeastern. Um, and once I got there, I really bought in, you know, I had a phone conversation with my dad and he's like, look, man, like those guys believed in you and um, you know, you, you, you should give them everything you have. And I was like, you know what, you're right. That, that's fair. Um, and then after that first, I was redshirted after that first season, um, they pulled us into the auditorium and, uh, the athletic director spoke to the whole team and, you know, informed us that the program was going to be getting dropped. And, uh, it got pretty heated, you know, cause there's guys that are trying to fight for a scholarship and all that, but, um, Northeast was great. I had a bunch of guys, um, still, you know, that stayed, um, and Northeastern honored their scholarships all the way through, you know, their, their time there. And, you know, to, if they wanted to play sports or not, um, you know, but for me, I just wanted to, I wanted to keep playing football. And um, so then it was odd because I was at Northeastern university and we would have these windows of, of period, you know, when other schools are going through their spring ball and all that kind of stuff, we had periods where um, schools, other universities would come in and want to have meetings with you and recruiting meetings and stuff like that. So you'd get a random text, say, Hey, this school is here and they want to talk to you. Um, and it was just like high school all over again, a recruiting process. And, you know, I had a, I had a few offers after that. Um, I had Hofstra was the first school that offered me that week. 
And then I found out they're dropping their football program the next week. So I was like, you got to be kidding me. Um, and then after that whole process, I mean, it was probably a couple months, I'd say. And um, Eastern Kentucky came in there and it was Coach Hodges um, and Gary Fisher came walking in. And, um, you know, I had a good conversation with them and I liked where, you know, I liked the history. I liked the culture. I liked um, where they're wanting to transition their offense to, which is more of that, you know, power kind of um, style um, that, you know, that I was more or less a part of in high school um, and kind of how I've always kind of seen myself as a tight end back then. Um, so then that whole recruiting process happened. I came in for spring ball and just kind of, you know, try to get my, you know, get used to it as much as possible then. And uh, I was just happy to keep playing football. Well, I know we were glad to have you, man. Like I said, I was able to watch you play, and it was fantastic. But that wasn't where all your bumps stopped, man. You had a couple of rough years here at Eastern, um, tore your ACL. Uh, I think it was in 2012 after a couple games. And then the next year, right out the gate, you hurt the same knee. Did you yeah. ever feel down when something like that happened? You know, just maybe football for me, it's just not in the cards beyond this. Um, yeah, I mean. And of, I, I definitely think those thoughts creep in um, and, you know, I'll never forget. So I tore it um, the first game against Purdue in 2012. Um, and I remember feeling so good before that game too. So prepared, so ready. Um, and that happened. And, you know, I, I just, that first one didn't really bring me down. I was young. Um, I knew I was going to be able to, I was kind of fired up by it. And then, you know, once I, we actually went out, um, I, I rehab that whole time, come back, get cleared. I, pr I participate in the first inter-squad scrimmage of preseason um, during training camp, and I got rolled up on, and I had my knee brace on and everything, got rolled up on, felt it all again, and um, I actually found out I had tore my ACL because uh, I we went and played Robert Morris. I actually played the Robert Morris game and the Louisville game with a torn ACL because they didn't think I had retorn it, man. So I, I found out during the Louisville game because my knee kept coming out of place Ugh. and it didn't feel very good. And so I, I was like, look, something's wrong. I hate to admit it, you know, but something's not right here. Um, and after that game, because my knee, my body wasn't showing the signs of an ACL tear. They would do all the tests. They they'd put their hands on and be like, man, I'm telling you, it's not torn. So that kept happening. And then we actually ended up getting some MRIs on it and stuff. And uh, I got, you know, Coach Hood. I, I go walking into the training room with Tim Pike back then and, and Dean Hood. Um, and as soon as I sat down, I was like, I looked over and Coach was sitting there. And he just looked at me and he was like, put his hand on my knee. He just goes, you tore your ACL again. And I was like, and the first thing that came out of my mouth was because it was my head coach and obviously the trainer is sitting across. I just go, you're telling me, <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but you know, and then from there I was, you know, my parents came down because they took my patellar tendon from my other knee, put it in my other knee. Um, so I had two immobilizing knee braces on Ugh. and I'd be sitting in the, um, you know, the hotel, my, my body weight went down, my strength went down. And that was the only point at that time where I was like, am I ever going to be the same again? You know, like I just didn't know what I would be able to do. And then you just start healing and your body just starts going and you just take enough pre-workout and you listen to enough pump up music and eventually it all, all the juices start flowing again. And 
luckily everything worked out. Yeah, man. I mean, and I was pumped for you. Speaking of being pumped and you get pumped up listening to your music, draft comes, draft day comes, goes. What was it like hearing from the Bengals for a chance to re or to live your dream back in 2015? Yeah. Um, I mean, even think about it now, I get chills because it was just something you know, I didn't anticipate getting drafted. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't want that. Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted it. Um, but to hear that call, um, <laughs> this is actually a picture that was taken when I found out. Oh, I, yeah. So that's like my whole family. We're at our house in Pennsylvania and um, my brother's girlfriend at the time took that picture and yeah, we didn't, I didn't know she snapped that picture, but uh, you know, they, they got that to me afterwards. And I mean, it was, it was amazing. Cause all I'd ever tell my you know girlfriend, who's now my wife, I'd, um, I'd say, look, all I want is the opportunity with my name across the, you know, no decals on the helmet name across the front. And just, I want to, you know, have a chance. That's it. And, you know, I'm thankful that I, I got that chance. Yeah, man. You, you know, started out on practice squad and like, you just, you worked your way up. You know, you're, like you said, you weren't worried about being drafted. You put in the work and you got to where you wanted after your stint, your first stint with the Bengals, you get the chance to go play for the Patriots. You know, we already talked about your first touchdown. I want you to talk to me about first, like just the AFC conference game, knowing that you're about to go play in the granddaddy of all football games. Yeah. So that game, it was interesting too, because I was playing against Jordan Berry. Um, they were playing the Steelers. And after that game, you know, I go, I didn't, I didn't play much on offense. I had, I had some special teams reps and stuff like that. And, um, but the way um, our offense that we had put in for that week, like the personnel packages, they had not seen and didn't perform well against um, a tight end and a fullback in the game because that would mess up their personnel. And we had a very capable fullback, like I said, in, in James Devlin, who ended up being a pro bowler and three-time you know, Super Bowl champion. So um, that really helped us out. But after that game, you know, Jordan Berry and I met at, at midfield and – I would have been happy to see Jordan go, you know, really. But um, I know he'll get a chance because he's going to have a 20-year career anyway. So, um, but it was I, – I, I, I really couldn't wrap my brain around it, um, you know. And then we fly down there to, you know, go to the Super Bowl and all that. Um, and Jordan just pat me on the shoulder. He goes, all right, man, well, go win it. And I was like, all right, buddy, I appreciate it. And um, it, was, it was hard to wrap your head around, really. Oh, I bet, man, just because that's one of those things, you know, you're as a kid, you're playing in, you know, you're playing in the Super Bowl every year in your backyard, but now, yeah. like, like, you're in it. You're about to lace them up and arguably, you know, one of the biggest games in your career. And, yeah. I mean, anybody would have traded spots with you because everybody wants to go to the Super Bowl and you're actually on the sidelines. Now, you were part of one of the greatest comebacks in Super Bowl history, at least on that team. Take me through, like, you know, the first three quarters of that game and how things were, you know, on your sideline. You know, what are you guys doing just to stay pumped other than knowing that, you know, Tom Brady is your quarterback? Yeah. Um, you know, so the whole Super Bowl experience, running out of that tunnel for, for pregame and all that, it's kind of wild. Like, you're, the colors seem more vivid. It's brighter. It's like hotter in the building because there's more people. 
it's way more crowded on the sidelines. I mean, you look over and it's just nothing but famous people on the sidelines. And I mean, it was, it was wild. That's one of the things I remember is running out of the tunnel just to go do pregame warmups. And uh, I, I, it was bright. You could see all the different like people that are all set up like the TV stations. And I mean, we were getting interviewed all week and it was like NFL Japan. And it was like, you guys watch the NFL in Japan. So, I mean, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, the whole, the whole first half of the game, it was kind of, you know, we were wondering what was going on, but at the same time, I mean, when you watch those clips of Tom and Julian as well, um, are really vocal leaders in the sense that they were like, man, we, we went in for halftime just, you know, this, and the score was horrible and all Julian Edelman kept yelling was it's going to be a hell of a story. And he over and over again, going to be a hell of a story, boys. And he was, he looked more determined than ever. I think one of the most incredible things, you know, being a part of that team is it was more or less the first time in my life I'd ever been around a group of guys collectively where it was, and it felt like at times it was, we'd rather die than lose this game. Oh, I bet. And it was either win or die to them and that just elevated everybody's game and and you know it was interesting too because in overtime our special teams coordinator after that game he or it was like during OTAs the next you know following season he said that the final kickoff that we had I believe it was in overtime everybody it was everybody but like three guys on our kickoff team hit their max top speed for the entire season in overtime, in the Super Bowl, last game of the year, where you think you might be the most tired, they hit their top speed. Um, so it was – we never felt like we were going to lose the game, which was kind of incredible. And you could feel that in the locker room and on the sidelines. And it's – the score might not be favorable, but we're not going to lose. So it was – it was. I'll, I'll never forget it. I mean, for sure. <laughs> oh, I bet, man. Like, I will never forget it, and I wasn't even there. Like, I was <laughs> – I, I was watching, like, you know, the other millions of people, but I had vested interest. You know, there was a colonel in it, so I was going to be making sure that I was checking on you. My mom's from Michigan, so I was a Tom Brady fan while he was there. So I've been rooting cool. for him, like, since, you know, he was drafted at 199 and telling all the yeah. naysayers. I watched the game. You looked open to me, man. Like, he could have fed you that touchdown. Like, were you open? I mean, I'm not asking you to question Tom Brady's decision because y'all won in the end, but were you as open as I thought you were? Uh, I thought, I, I thought it, like my first catch, I was going to turn my head because that ball was not, it, I mean, it's just not supposed to go to me. It was supposed to go to Marty. Yeah. And that's where I threw it. Um, but I did, I turned my head and I was anticipating like, oh, like he could throw this to me. And had visions of like sitting on Jimmy Kimmel and sitting on all the talk. <laughs> I'm just, just messing. But uh, I mean, I, I thought he might, I thought I might turn my head and he might, you know, the ball might become Jimmy, but it didn't he won. So I'll take that. But <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, a dub's a dub, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine just not that, you know, timing is important at whatever level, but I imagine at that level, that ball's out before you even turn your head, like, because yeah. all that's timing. Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, that first ball that I ever had thrown to me in the NFL, I turned my head and 
I mean, it was coming at me like a laser and it doesn't have stripes on it. Um, I'd gotten used to that over already being in a couple of years. Yeah. Point, but to, to turn your head and find the ball and track the ball in a stadium full of people where there's stuff behind and, you know, fans. I mean, I'm just glad for some reason as I turned my head, you know, just like practice and running those routes and understanding where the ball is going to be coming from that just found, I'm just glad I found it and tracked it and caught it. <laughs> as you went from team to team, did you, were there big differences in NFL franchises as you go in, let's say, you know, between let's go the Pats and the Texans, you know, we'll skip the Browns. <laughs> Cause that might've been the biggest, uh, but um, I, I joke, I said, I might be the only person that went from a Super Bowl winning team to an 0-16 team. I might be the only person, I don't know if I am, but uh, there's only been, what, two 0-16 teams in yeah. NFL history, so I don't know. But um, with the Texans, it, it wasn't much different um, because Bill O'Brien was the head coach. Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator for the Patriots uh, just a few years before that, you know, his, his job, well, he was with Penn State, but before Penn State, I believe he was the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. Um, a lot of the guys, a lot of the crossover, a lot of the hires in the front office are guys who were from the Patriots. So we even kind of joked and said it was like New England South sometimes. <laughs> and even, you know, so, and the intensity at practice and the intensity of the players. I mean, that defense that we had there, you know, with JJ Watt and Whitney Merciless and Jadavian Clowney and, you know, all those guys, Tyron Matthew was there when I was there. Um, so Deshaun, DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, it was just such a talented team and the, the work ethic, the, the demands of practice and, um, were pretty equal, um, com compared to new England. So those two franchises I was at are, were very, were very similar. And now you can even see today how, um, Jack Easterby, who was the, he was like the team chaplain at New England when I was there. Now he's actually making front office decisions for the Texans and they're bringing in guys like Rex Burkhead, who was with the Patriots and um, just some transactions like that. Back to the Bengals for you. And then you finished up in Indianapolis. I read a story as I was doing a little bit of research, because some of it I knew, because I knew you while you were here a little bit. Um, you know, you did an interview for Penn Live, you being from Pennsylvania you just, yeah. you know, when you decided to retire, like you just, you know, you wanted to keep playing, but you just body wouldn't let you. What, I mean, yeah. your health is always first. So it's not like my health is a hard decision to make, but the competitor in you, the man who yeah. is living his dream, how hard was it for you, man? Um, it was, it was difficult in the sense that it was, you know, I can't believe this, this day has actually come. Um, but you know, that last game um, of, so actually I have another picture up here. So this is Jordan and I, um, after our last, you know, my last game with the Bengals on the field there. And um, after that game, actually, I tore my ACL in that game. Man. So I, so I tore my ACL for the third time in that game. Um, and I have a smile on my face there because during the game, they didn't think I tore my ACL. Um, but the next day I went in and they told me, Hey, you tore your ACL, my left knee in college. It was my right knee twice. Um, so I tore the ACL, my left knee, they took my hamstring graft. 
um, went through the rehab for that. I was fired up. You know, I really didn't mind it. That really didn't um, bother me too much. But then I started running into things like, you know, my hamstring tore during rehab and, um, you know, just some other, you know, my calf, some, some things in my knee started flaring up. And um, I left New England because I tore my, well, I, I tore my hip labrum in training camp. So I signed an injury settlement with them and that's, you know, I went through rehab and then I got picked up um, with the Browns. And so I just, it was to the point where, you know, my wife, and I say in that article where it was, you know, really my wife was only the ever one was only the, the one that ever, only ever knew how, um, you know, much getting hurt again, kind of weighed me down, you know, kind of, um, and then COVID hit and, you know, I was with the Colts. Yep. Um, and then coming back from training, kind of once the gyms opened up, I tweaked that hip again. So it's just stuff that was like, man, I, I, I just started getting tired, you know, yeah. and, um, my body wasn't, you know, I have to do a bunch of maintenance just to maintain, you know, where I, instead of getting ahead and trying to get better. Um, so I, yeah, I, I decided to, decided to retire and, you know, plus the whole COVID negotiations for the NFLPA, they weren't, you know, necessarily favorable for the, for the small guy. Um, so that kind of made, you know, made me a little disenchanted with the whole thing. So I, I was just ready. It was, it was time. And I haven't really looked back too much since because, you know, now I'm working for people I know and trust and, um, the place I originally trained at in Pennsylvania, they built a facility out here. So I'm working for them now and enjoying that. And that was going to lead me to my next question, man, other than, you know, I'm glad to hear that, you know, that you're at peace, you know, that you're in the right mindset yeah. with stuff like that going on. Cause everybody hears, you know, what's it like when playing days and some athletes, they just struggle with that. So like, I'm glad that you are at peace and that you're where you're at, but that's like, what are you doing these days? I know you said you work with a company. What does the company do? Sounds like it's uh training. You train athletes like a gym, something like that. Yeah. So it's uh, called spooky nook sports. And the original one is in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and it's the largest indoor sports complex in North America. Um, it's about 700,000 square foot under one roof. Um, and I did my training there, my off season training. I did my combine, you know, my regional combine preps there and all that kind of stuff. And then after my first two seasons in the NFL, um, I would go back, you know, when I went back to Pennsylvania, I would train, do all my training there. Um, so it's a, what they do though, is more like they're hosting a Penn state, Oklahoma state wrestling match. They, they host basketball tournaments, they host volleyball tournaments, wrestling tournaments, um, they're a fitness center. They, you know, if you people listen to this, want to look it up and um, Google it and search it, it's pretty amazing. And so once I, my wife and I, we moved to Cincinnati um, and, you know, we live in uh, outside Cincinnati and I was with the Bengals and Spooky Nook, you know, the guy who was my trainer is now the president of the company. And he called me one day and said, Hey, you know, we're building one out there. And it's going to be 1.3 million square feet all under one roof, like $160 million investment. Um, so once I decided to retire and I knew all these people that, you know, I really care about and, you know, have, have been around for years, they're building a facility out here. I just, after I decided to retire, I said, Hey, I'm not asking for anything. I just want to be a part of it because it's so wild that they're actually building a place out here. Cause there's only one of them. And now there's going to be two of them. And it's right outside where I live about 25 minutes away. So it's a, 
that's, I think that has a lot to do with my transition. I was worried, you know, about mental health stuff. And, you know, when I decided to retire and, you know, what, what thoughts would I have and all that kind of stuff. But for me, I was just honestly relieved, you know, at, at a certain point, because I, you know, I'm thankful that I got to experience things I never thought in a million years I'd be able to experience. So that, you know, helped me out a little bit. And I've, I didn't screw up too many things. I jumped off sides one time for the Bengals on like fourth and one. So that's, <laughs> that's a, I didn't have too many screw ups, which, uh, you know, I didn't have too many things to regret. So I just, that's what I always wanted to do is, um, you know, my dad always told me, you know, always do it right the first time. So you never have to live with regret and I don't regret anything. I felt like I, every day I walked into any facility, I gave it my all. And yeah, I think that's why I'm more at peace with it. So I, and I appreciate you saying that. Yo, man. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. We'll switch gears here, man. We'll kind of take it to the college ranks a little bit. What do you think about, uh, you know, Eastern Kentucky leaving the, the Ohio Valley and heading to the A sun? I'll tell you what, there's a lot of good football teams in there. I think, uh, anytime you can play teams from Texas and Jack States in the A sun too, right. They moved over. Yep. They came with us. They just, yep. They just beat Florida state. So, and that was a huge finish. So, I mean, I like it, you know, I is, you know, one of those things where, Oh, EKU has changed since I've been there drastically. You know, we have that super nice away side that I wish we had, but, uh, <laughs> you know, on the state, uh, campus is totally different. There's roads that aren't there that were there, you know, uh, when I was there. So the, you know, the first, uh, dorm room that my wife and I had our first date in that got knocked down. So I was kind of bummed about that, but, um, yeah, I was stoked about, uh, the move and, you know, with Tarleton and, and Western Carolina and, and isn't uh what are some Texas schools that there's a couple Texas schools in that division there. Yeah, we're they, we got like the whack A Sun challenge this year is the A Sun is trying to get enough schools for the whole conference to sponsor football on its own. So I know this oh, year wow. we're playing Stephen F. Austin. Um yeah. You know, we're playing the defending national champs. We play Tarleton. So I know Texas in like Texas in football is like a religion. Yeah. Down that yeah. way. So it'll definitely give our guys, you know, you always want to play up to that competition. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because that's how you get better. Yeah. So I mean it sounds like, you know, you know some of the stuff going around. When was the last time you and your wife happened to be on campus? Oh man. That might uh I think I went I went down and I visited and I sat and I talked to John Mike, uh, strength coach, uh, for a little while. Still here. I think, yeah, yeah. I think it might've been in the off season. Um, I think I've been to one game since I've, uh, left. Now I was a little busy for there a little bit, but I'm looking to, you know, hopefully get back down there soon and, you know, come to some games and, um, hopefully homecoming or something this year for sure. And now that COVID's, you know, hopefully that's all, you know, behind and, you know, the season can go on smooth because college football stadiums are rocking and it's, it's uh, exciting. Oh yeah, they are, man. You know, we're looking forward to packing the kid and we'd love to have you back, man. Anytime. I mean, I'm just a broadcast guy. I handle things, but I'm people who knows people. I can get you what yeah. you need, but I don't think, you, I don't think you need me for that. Um, Thanks. No, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> they just, they just redid the turf. Like, I think you'll be really I think you'd be really impressed. Like it's one thing to see it in the pictures and things like that, but to see it live, like those greens pop, there's a new lighting system. So like we're, we're doing lots of things, man. And we're looking forward to like, you know, just keep it going bigger and better. Yeah. Even uh, I saw 
even like the decals along that, you know, along the Begley side of the yep. stadium. Uh, I mean, it's looking sharp. And, you know, the, I haven't even seen the uh, Roy Kidd statue and all that monument up on the hill there. I haven't seen that yet. And, you know, so I'd really like to get uh, get up there for get down there for that. Well, man, I mean, we can make it happen sooner rather than later, sir. It's because you're mad lingual. You know, you walk around here. Huh. We'll get you some things. I appreciate it, man. That's uh, maybe about the only place that would happen. So I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt that. <laughs> Well, Matt, man, we really appreciate your time. We're about to uh, wrap this up here, man. I cannot thank you enough. I know you yeah. got to be busy with everything that you're doing, and the fact that you took you know half an hour out of your day to you know sit down and hang out with us that's that's big time, man. We truly, truly appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I can't wait to see you guys in person and watch a game, and it's fun to watch. Fans, as Matt Lingle, Super Bowl champion out of Super Bowl Fifty One. And, you know, we really appreciated him taking that time. I got to send a shout out to my executive producer, Matthew Phelps. Like, I could not get it done without him. So, Matt, thanks again. We really appreciate your time. And fans, we look forward to you hanging out with us again on another episode of Kicking It with the Currents.